0: Matt, and I'm one of the pastors at Redeemer Presbyterian Church, and you're about to listen to a uh, an interview with a few missionaries that we support in Malaga, Spain, the Tarazas family. Guille, Suzanne, Paloma, and Raul have been in Malaga, Spain for several years, and we as a church started supporting them back in November 2020. And uh, so we wanted to give you guys a little window into their life. Um, if you would like to support their work, please uh, reach out to me, Pastor Matt at, Matt at welcometoredeemer.com, and I can point you in the right direction. Uh, I hope you enjoy uh, this update, and I hope that um, our church can collect- collectively begin to, to pray for the Terrazas. Do you want to? Do you want to wait for Suzanne, or do you want to just kind of start? It doesn't. It doesn't matter to me. So.
1: Yeah, we were thinking that maybe. Uh, I mean, we would love to have Paloma and Raul so the congregation they can know them and see yeah. them. And yeah. I mean, you have some questions in mind for them, just a couple of them. Yeah. Yeah. Are you guys okay um, with
0: that? Yeah. So. Uh, Paloma. Yeah. what is your what's your favorite thing about uh being a missionary
2: um I don't know it's just um fun because I can travel to different places and bless the people um who don't know God and I don't know I just want to help them to know him better like I don't know it's fun to do that yeah yes. and how
0: how old are you again
2: I'm 10 and almost 11. I, uh, my birthday is the 3rd of May, so it's coming up.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. Ra- Raul, tell us a little bit more about your shirt. So what does the M stand for again? For Mario. For Mario. And you're super into Mario. What do you like about living in Spain?
2: Mm, there's like cool juices. ooh.
0: What's your what's your favorite juice in Malaga? Um, uh, it's uh grape and
2: what, grape and, grape and peach. Uh, grape and peach.
0: <laughs> those are great. Those are great flavors. How long have you uh, had your two front teeth missing? Mm. I think for uh, Almost a month and a half, right? Mm-hmm. A month and a half. Ambrose is about to lose this tooth right here. And I keep asking her if I can just yank it out. But she <laughs> says, she says no. So, mm-hmm.
2: uh, <laughs> well, I lost this tooth too. Oh, I see
1: that. Yeah. It was kind of like yesterday. Yeah, two days ago. Yeah. Two
2: days ago.
1: Yeah. And mommy, she helped you.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. How did how did your mom help you?
0: Did did she get she get some pliers?
2: No, <laughs> she just got some paper.
0: <laughs> hey guys, what's been uh Flo Monroe? What what's been surprising about this COVID time for you guys? Has it been hard, or have you liked the time that you've gotten to spend uh, in the home with your parents? Or yeah, tell me a little bit about that.
2: Well. It was hard and good at the same time because, um, good because um, we never spent time together, uh, like our family, because we only got to sit down and talk to each other uh, when it was lunchtime because we always had to go to school and then everyone had a lot of work to do. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so this helped us with like, um, we play more, board games and I don't know we talked to each other more so yeah. that was the good part but the bad part was like everything like we have to wear masks everywhere and it's hard to breathe with those also they closed all the parks but finally they reopened it um and yeah we had to uh we couldn't see our friends for almost a year well yeah we year a year right we couldn't see her yeah. Right
1: there. Ah, well, it was uh, for three months when we were in lockdown.
2: Well, yeah.
1: Yeah, you weren't able to see your friends. But later on, when you went to school, yeah, you were seeing them.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it felt like a long time.
1: <laughs> yeah, like a year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The
2: three months were like the longest time in my life.
1: Mm. Yeah.
0: And what, what three months were you guys locked down? you remember?
2: Um...
1: It was March, oh, April yeah. and, May. and May,
2: so I had to have my birthday here up in the terrace Ooh. so yeah I didn't get to see any of my friends and it felt like sad
0: yeah. like
2: I had a birthday without like it wasn't as exciting as normally yeah. but I did get to um, yeah I had a good time, but not the best, as long That keeps me so Oh, yeah. It was yummy, but the um, experience, I don't know.
1: <laughs> it was like a beautiful sweet, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah.
0: yeah. And, and so did you guys, you guys are locked down after sp- basically spring break through to the end, to or to the beginning of the summer, and are you able to go back to school? Were you able to go back to school this year in Spain?
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, in September.
0: Mm-hmm. Right. Okay, and but it was. Uh, I'm sorry. Well, I was just going to ask how that's been. How how has school been for you guys?
2: Mm-hmm. Well, I don't know. It was a little bit hard because of two things. One, because we just uh, it was a new school. We've never been to one, so I was very nervous because they were we were on TV. Yeah. So yeah. like um, and I didn't even know anyone. So I I don't know. I was like really nervous and yeah. So I met someone who's now my best friend. Ooh. Her name is April, and she's Spanish, but she's been in England for two years and been at school in England. So if you hear her speak, you'll think she's from England. Oh. So she turned into my best friend, and then the second thing, uh, the second bad like. I don't know, bad thing uh, was that um, <laughs> it was a little hard with the COVID thing because I, I am a little bit allergic with the gel thing. So um, yeah, it's a little bit uncomfortable being like that because um, they respect uh, your allergies because there's another one in my class who's uh, a really good friend of mine and she has uh, allergies like I do. So, um, but to other things. Yeah. But, yeah, so, like, um, they respect your allergies, but a little bit, like, they go a little bit too far, and I like that, but it's kind of uncomfortable because sometimes they're like, "Uh, someone put gel uh, on their hands, and then, like, everyone's freaking out, (laughs) and then they just get out of the class, get out of the class, so I have to be there, like, um, okay. Uh So then everyone who passes me is like, are you punished? I'm like, I'm not punished.
0: (laughs) Oh, I'm so, I'm so glad you met a new, a new best friend
1: in April. That's, that's wonderful. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I have is, is already here. Hey. What's up, Suzanne? It's good to see you. It's to you too.
3: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like I hear you're interviewing our little stars.
1: <laughs> yeah, they, uh, they're doing, they're doing wonderful yeah uh, we were seeing that how resilient kids uh, are you know during these kind of times yeah yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: so okay. is uh is spain pretty much opened back up in terms of like restaurants and like what's the yeah what what are the protocols and sort of the the regulations that are at in you know at play right now for spain
1: yeah um uh, Little by little, they have been relaxing some of the restrictions. Yeah. Um, But, I mean, they were very hard and very strict with those. So, for example, right now in Andalusia, which is the name of our state, it's in the south, uh, we cannot travel to the other provinces. Like, for example, we are in Malaga. We cannot go to Granada or we cannot go to Sevilla uh, and I don't know for how long they will be having those restrictions. But in the other hand, the restaurants, they're open and uh, we are under curfew. And the curfew is uh, since 6, no, from 10 p.m. All, w- all the way till 6 a.m. And then wow. so we
3: can't have... We recently were were upgraded from only being able to have four people in the home at a time, so and that's us, Mm -hmm. we couldn't have anyone over, to six as of a couple of weeks ago, and as of yesterday, the parks in our area, the children's parks, have been opened after over a year of being closed, and so as you can see, it's not been a child-friendly environment at all. It's been really hard on the children, but they have been um, growing in a lot of ways, and we're really proud of them.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, Yeah, I'm proud of you guys, too, Plum and Roll. (laughs) You you guys are teaching us adults uh, how to follow God in ways that we can't even teach ourselves. (laughs) And so, yeah, we appreciate uh, how God created you guys and how strong you are. And so that's crazy that you that the parks are just now opening up.
2: Yeah,
0: Um, Mm
1: -hmm. That's hard
2: kind of unfair because they opened up in other places but not in
1: yeah uh, all of the different uh, uh, states or comunidades autonomas there are 17 in spain all of them they were having their own different rules and restrictions and lockdowns etc and i think andalusia has been one of the yeah thank you (laughs) in lockdowns and restrictions yeah and yeah and we were planning on visiting my sister they live in valencia in the other state and since december we wanted to see them but we cannot travel to other states um so not even for easter and so let's see what happened this summer yeah i
2: (laughs) hope i
1: hope
0: we can finally go to other places Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah yeah what what are the uh vaccination, like, uh, are people getting vaccinated in Spain or not? Mm
2: -hmm.
3: Yeah, it's been, um, everyone has really been looking forward to having the vaccinations and Mm -hmm. they have been entering the country, but it's just been a really, really slow process. I think it's probably been the slowest in all of Europe.
0: Why do you think that, why do you think that is? Like, why is it so slow in Spain?
3: Oh, I've wondered that myself uh, because everyone seems to really want to have the vaccination. Um, there have been some people that say that it's just a disorganized mm-hmm. and more relaxed uh, type of culture, and that it'll happen when it happens. Yeah. Uh, but I wonder if that really is the case. I don't know.
1: Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. Is uh, they're not organized in the way of administering the vaccinations, and also some problems at the beginning with the entire European Union. Mm-hmm. Uh, because some um, shipments that were coming from the U.S., for example, or from the Great Britain, and they didn't know how to distribute them among the different countries. Yeah, mm-hmm. so, yeah, that was a big problem. Pro- uh, big problem in the beginning, mm-hmm. and then Brexit was happening too. So some of the vaccinations from the UK, they were they weren't uh, coming to to the U- uh, European Union. So yeah, it was a lot of political situation. Yes. Here.
0: Yeah.
1: yeah,
3: we find that the whole reason that the children's parks have been closed, but adults have had access to different things that it just doesn't seem fair. It's just um, one of many, um, I guess, symptoms of just a highly politicized um, atmosphere here in Spain. And so, I mean, um, if we were to go one, uh, Community over to the right or to the left, we would be able to go to their parks and and to share in their parks. But it's just um, every community has their own right politics, and uh, so it's just very
1: yeah. It, it's very divided. <laughs> it is.
0: You know, that's uh, as hard as that is to hear. There's some solace in that hearing that from from the United States because every state has fallen on you know, different sides of an issue, um, particularly related to COVID. And it, it feels so divided here as well. You know, depending on which state you're, you're living in, uh, for instance, Nebraska has been pretty wide open. Um, although my Nebraskans listening, (laughs) once we post this, they may not feel that. Um, but definitely compared to the coasts, you know, in New York and, and LA, um, we, we're we far more open than other states in the US. And it seems very much divided by politics as well. Um, so I guess uh, the reason why I'm saying that is that it feels, uh, it almost feels like it's a, an American thing, you know, that we're so divided. Um, and so there's a camaraderie in the fact that other countries are that divided, which isn't necessarily a good thing. But um, at least it, it's not just us, um, or y'all, Yeah, it's everybody. So, yeah. so how are you guys handling that? Like emotionally, like the tension that you feel globally, but also nationally there in Spain and what the church's role in the midst of all that is, um, I'm sure you've been rocked in so many ways but will you will you talk a little bit about that like how you guys are um holding up emotionally no
3: um would it be all right if the children were to for sure
0: for sure
3: okay well i guess we're done with the fun part we're going to move on to the more technical parts
0: hey paloma and raul thank you so much for sharing and it's so good to see your faces i'm going to show ambrose this video, and she's going to be so happy to see you. So thank you for being a part.
2: No, thank you. One more thing. Yes. I'm really sad about the COVID because now I can't see my cousins. Oh, oh yeah.
0: yeah. That's
2: so.
0: Thanks for sharing that, Raul. Mm. Thank you for telling me that. Huh.
2: Okay, you guys all. Well, bye. bye.
0: See bye. you, Plummel. <laughs> and you know you guys feel free to share at the level that you're comfortable with you know I I want to be sensitive to you know what this is as a recorded video so uh, yeah. And, and and also like I I have um my goal with this video is to is to edit it in little short pieces to kind of give our church a, a picture into y'all's life and post it on Instagram. We may try to play it in a worship service. And so some of this we can we edit out. Um but please don't, you know, if you don't want to share something, that's fine. So But yeah, but I'm curious as to how you guys are holding up emotionally.
1: Yeah. Well, thank you. Yeah. That's, this is a good question. Uh, I think, yeah, in the beginning it was very hard, you know, uh, just seeing the situation in in Spain. I I mean, not only in Spain, but in the rest of the world, but then how uh, the Spain was taking, um, all of the COVID situation in a very strict way and very scary And probably, yeah, I mean, trying to understand. And it was a scary time. But then when they decided to put us under lockdown, and that was 100 days of being uh, locked down in the house, my mm-hmm. God's grace, we are so thankful that our house has a terrace. I mean, we live in an apartment, but we live like in, in the attic. And we have a nice terrace where we can have the sunshine and being outside. Mm-hmm. But we were really feeling for all of the our neighbors that they don't have even a little backyard or something. No,
3: that... Some people don't even have a balcony. Mm-mm.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And during the lockdown, the only freedom that you had was just for one hour. <laughs> just to go outside to take a walk or to go to the supermarket or to the pharmacy and that that was it so it was hard and and then after the 100 days of the lockdown they uh, they were allowing the children to go outside so we were thankful for that but the same was just for 1 hour and just uh, in the just for less. than
3: One kilometer yeah. and only one adult could go out with two children. So we couldn't go out as a family. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. So that, that was one aspect. So emotionally we were like, uh, so like struggling and nervous and praying for the situation. Um, yeah. And then trying just to, uh, yeah, to take it a little by little during that time. But um, I think um, ministry speaking that was also very hard because we had to postpone or cancel some of the projects that we planned for that year for 2020. Mm-hmm. Like uh, the first sonship weekend for pastors and their families, we were so excited for that. Mm-hmm. And then for the summer, we were planning uh, the English camp, which yeah. this is one of our uh, key aspects of our ministry. So, we're so sad about doing that. But, in the, in the other hand, the Lord was opening up some opportunities for ministry as well. So, yeah, it was very interesting to see how the Lord was helping us during those times.
3: Yeah, I think it was really interesting during our time of lockdown because we went through a pretty significant emotional roller coaster. And mm-hmm. just like everybody did. And I think, um, as missionaries or as ministry leaders, um, it can, it can be our tendency to come, come, come out with, um, an arrogance and think, well, we're here to, um, to teach the world, or we're here to bring the truth to the world. And, um, I think that what it comes down to is, um, we, we were reminded once again, that it's, um, really just comes down to faith and repentance daily. And we were reminded of just those same primal questions that we all have. Is God really good? Is he going to care for me in this epidemic or this pandemic? I'm afraid. What do I do with my fears and anxieties? Hmm. Um, yeah, all of those questions. And I think that um, it it was good to be reminded of those things. It was good to um, to experience those things for an extended period of time because it just continues to remind us of the truth of the gospel, that he is good. He does love us, that suffering does happen. And he's in the midst of that suffering with us. Mm.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true.
3: Mm-hmm. So, yeah, the the, the pandemic was, was really difficult. Our emotional response to that was not surprising. <laughs> we had lots of ups and downs. Mm. There was one surprising thing, though, that happened that we weren't expecting. And that was just the... Um, uh, we weren't expecting the great... Um, Thirst for, for relationships that we, mm-hmm. we've recently been seeing as the, the lockdown has been um, or the restrictions have been uh, reduced. Um, yeah, as Guy was sharing before, uh, I, in one week I, I, I ran into a countless number of women walking their dogs. And I filled up my week with, with coffee dates with them. And that's, that's skipping a lot of Spanish protocols culturally. That normally doesn't happen.
0: Mm, what's, what's normal Spanish protocol for those who haven't been to Spain? <laughs>
3: yeah, well, um, well, I'm still a learner in this culture. We've been here for... Several years, but it's uh, it's a very deep and uh, interesting, fascinating culture and very warm. The folks here have a great sense of humor. Um, I feel very much at home. I feel like I'm back in Mexico, you know. Um, but the difference between being in Mexico and being here or being in the South, because in Texas, it's the same way as in Mexico. The difference is that... You, um, you have to run into the people a few more times before you actually invite them over. People don't come over to your house for the first few times that you meet them because that's too intimate and it's awkward and weird for them. And, um, and um, yeah, so you have a lot of play dates at the park, you go to a bunch of birthday parties um, in the children's class. Um,
1: or with these ladies, I mean, you go with them to the coffee shops before you invite them over to your home.
3: Yeah, I was expecting, though, to have to run into these women for several more weeks on a daily basis before we ever settle on a coffee date. But that wasn't the case. I ran into them one time and they mentioned, let's get together for a coffee. <laughs> and I was like, Yes. <laughs> Um so yeah so it's been it's been really interesting, and we've been noticing that that's a trend that's that's continuing to increase
1: mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Uh, most of our uh, i mean we do th- several aspects in our ministry, and one of them is hospitality showing hospitality to to our neighbors and friends and before Covid we were having like uh every month like a um, uh, dinner party in our house. And inviting, you know, some of the friends that we have in, or oh, yeah, the, the people that we have been meeting uh, during this time. And be, because we cannot have people over our house now because of the different restrictions, all of those friends, they're really, uh, they're missing those times coming to our house and celebrating uh, some Valentine's or St. Patrick's. Uh, St. Patrick's Day. Yeah, we're doing that. Or Thanksgiving or something like that. And they were telling me, "Oh, we really miss being in your home." So you can yeah. see that they they crave for relationships. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah. the Spaniards are so relational, um, yeah. they love being among people. But as Suzanne is mentioning, when just to enter their circle of friends, it takes several steps. Yeah. Yeah. But we are so thankful that now we we have people that we can call them friends,
2: yeah.
1: people that yeah. they were vulnerable with us and opening up their lives and sharing intimate stuff to us and their struggles and et cetera. So, yeah, I mean, we're so thankful that the Lord has been sending people uh, in our path.
3: There's mm-hmm. a refrain that I like that he mentions often. He says that, um, uh, amongst evangelical missionaries here in Spain, they say, once you found a friend in a Spanish national, you found a friend for life. And mm-hmm. it's true. Hmm. And that uh, we yeah. found that in the people that we do business with on a daily basis um, yeah. we have to be in the the like the bookshop or the paper shop frequently for children's projects and our own our own business needs or office needs and then also the the fruit and veg shop we're there every other day and um, with those folks we we have a relationship with them we have a friendship with them and there's a trust there that that um, that grows over time, and it's not something that can be substituted with anything else. It just takes time.
1: Yeah, Yeah. even with my barber, the other day I was sharing a little bit about uh, my faith and the gospel. I was nervous because he was cutting my hair, you know, and (laughs) (laughs) sharing the gospel with the barber can be a little bit tricky. (laughs) No, but yeah, his name is Andres, and he has been also opening uh, his life to me and sharing about uh, his struggle with uh, his daughter. She has um, um, some kind of uh, disease, and she's having some surgery. And and, yeah, the Lord has been uh, guiding me to pray for him and sending him like text messages telling him, hey, I'm praying for you and for for Paula, your daughter. so it has been, uh, yeah, a friendly relationship too as well. Yeah. yeah. And your hair
0: looks great. So there's
1: <laughs> that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> thank you.
0: <laughs> hey, um, for, those, for those who may be unaware, uh, what is Sonship?
1: Mm. Yeah, uh, Sonship is a gospel renewal material that our company search and develop long time ago. I think it was around the 70s and that was developed by Jack Miller. He was the founder of SEARCH and he was also a Presbyterian pastor in Pennsylvania and the founder of New Life and Church mm-hmm. um, also a professor at Westminster and he was um, a mentor of Tim Keller for example. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So, yeah, he developed this material in order to bless and help um, the missionaries that they were sending to Uganda and, and other countries in Africa uh, because of conflict and, and also uh, those missionaries, and that happens to us, uh, losing our identity uh, that we have securing Christ. So we're acting as orphans. Mm-hmm. so yeah Sonship is a gospel renewal material that help us to remember and that we are adopted in Christ that we are justified and that uh, our our lifestyle is a life of repentance and faith constantly and going mm-hmm. back to the gospel constantly And yeah. you will add something else <laughs>
3: I love talking about this this is my favorite part of our ministry is when we uh, take people through this program. We facilitate mentorship with pastors and their wives through the Sonship uh, material. We're working on getting it translated. Um, It's a long process. Um, I love talking about this because it has made such a big impact in our lives personally, in my life, in our relationship as a couple, uh, as a family, as um, parents, Um, I have found uh, through God's grace, the courage to address my own sin and address, uh, you know, I have, this is my sin tendency. I get angry when my kids push my buttons. What are my buttons? Let's (laughs) figure this out. Why are those my buttons? This is uh, what are my beliefs in the Lord? And um, yeah, there's a really famous diagram in the material called the iceberg diagram. And it talks about our sins being on the top part of the iceberg, the visible surface, me losing my temper with my kids, for example. Mm -hmm. But the part underneath the iceberg underneath that's so big that we don't see, that's the real heart issue. And that's the issue that I need to look at. What are the things that I'm not believing about God, that he's enough, that, um, that I don't need to be in control all the time, that people are going to, sin and act out and um that's okay i don't need to respond to that um yeah i i just love it because the lord has really transformed our lives through it and it's such a simplistic material there's nothing amazing about it i think the amazing part and the profound part is uh when you have the holy spirit walking you through it and um holding you accountable asking those hard questions
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. and uh, I mean it's just the foundations of the gospel, you know. Uh, yeah, Susan is mentioning it's nothing; it's not the material in uh, per se. It's just uh, the basics of the gospel that sometimes, uh, as Christians, we tend to forget, you know, in or our daily life lies, yeah. or yes, or minimal lives. Yeah, exactly. So we are using that material as well here in Spain and and mentoring other couples as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Suzanne, uh, you had
0: mentioned sort of finding the, the primal fears of all humanity having gone through COVID. Um, in what way has the gospel, and particularly your experience with sonship, helped you face not being enough? Can you talk a little bit about that? Um, like how has the gospel helped you not just manage getting through this last year, but how has is, how is it made, made you fall more deeply entrenched in who God is and how he loves you and how he sustained you?
3: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I have a few stories I could share about that. Um, <clears throat> I'm getting nervous. <laughs> 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 You'll edit that part out, right?
0: <laughs> <laughs> Whatever you. <need>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
3: I think um, I may need to ramble around before I get to the meat of it. Such so okay. as I I think the main part is <clears throat> is recognizing that in um, all the ways that I recognize my weaknesses, that's important. Mm-hmm because if i'm not recognizing my sin my sin tendencies and the areas where i fail to believe and fail to trust then the percentage of me going to the father for to meet me in those needs is really low and so the important thing for me is to become aware of those those areas where i need the lord and those areas are big and they encompass the majority of of my day to day and um you know, I've recently been investigating more scripturally what it means to for the Lord to um, to find joy in me coming to Him in my weakness. His joy is made complete when He's able to meet my weakness. And um, <clears throat> and are, are you familiar? Probably we've already talked to you about the art of kintsugi, the Japanese art of kintsugi, and. It's quite an old art of taking broken vessels and piecing them together again with gold. And so the broken areas are exalted and uh, as they're pieced together with gold. And I, I think that's beautiful because we see that when I take my sin to the Lord and when I take my unbelief to him, the Holy Spirit meets me in my broken areas Uh, I'm gonna cry (laughs) and he pieces it together again and um, my transformation is uh, I I think that much more amazing well I can't be transformed if, (laughs) if I'm not broken in the first place and we all are but my transformation is made beautiful and great and noble uh, through the Holy Spirit's work in my life. And the biggest part of that comes about with my uh, becoming aware of and taking my needs to the to the Lord. Mm-hmm. And recently, we've been reading a book, um, One Thousand Gifts, by Lisa...
1: No, Anne Voskamp. Bos- oh, that's right.
3: Anne Voskamp. Yeah. Uh, and uh, she notes one area in the book it talks about the Eucharist, Eucharistale. Mm-hmm. And it talks about um, our Thanksgiving in the midst of uh, in the midst of suffering or in the midst of being uncertain, and it's basically giving God the benefit of the doubt. It's recognizing His goodness and His holiness in the midst of uncertain or difficult circumstances, and through that, um, He's exalted, and and our joy is restored, our peace is restored, and. Um, well, I feel like I'm I'm going about in a, a lot of different directions.
0: Oh, that's, it, that's beautiful.
3: We've been learning a lot through through this. I've been learning a lot through through COVID and through um the Lord sustaining us through it all.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah.
0: Thanks for sharing. Um what is there is there something that you guys could like if you could say something to all the churches in the West, you know, evangelical is basically a cuss word now in the United States. Um, I don't know if it's like that in Spain, but like if you could say something to the churches in the U.S. or just the, in, in the West about the church in Europe, uh, what would you want to communicate?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Like, teach us a what what God's... Di- you Know what God's doing on a national global scale and not the West. Um, but B, like, maybe are we blind? Are we blind to some things that you immediately become aware of when you get out of the US? You know, mm-hmm. um, and if that's too broad ended, that's
1: fine, we can move on to another topic. That's
3: a but really good question.
1: Yeah, it is. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, when we moved to to Spain and just noticing that just less than 1% are evangelicals in a country of 47 million. Yeah. And seeing the lack of resources, the lack of uh, training for pastors, the lack of almost everything, we were like, wow. I mean, in the U.S., you are so blessed of having, I mean, different churches and movements going on. And and sometimes we feel like, oh man, take advantage of what's happening in the US. Mm. Um, Because here, I mean, it can be sometimes feeling like in a desert, but in the other hand, we are seeing how the Holy Spirit is moving in a powerful way And, and just using tiny churches. To create and uh, movements mm-hmm. in different parts of Spain it's like wow that's amazing yeah. so yeah it's like um I don't know how to call it but it's like a um, uh, oh, I forgot the word yeah I mean we we, <laughs> we we lack of resources but I think the Lord is meeting us
3: sorry yeah. <laughs>
1: Yeah, so we're lack of resources, but I think the Lord is is showing us that he can use tiny congregations to do amazing things, you know? Yeah. But in the other hand, it's like, wow, I mean, you guys in the U.S., you are so blessed by having, you know, still... I mean, when you mention the word I'm, "I'm a Christian," you are not a weirdo. <laughs> Here you are in, in Spain. When you, when, you, when we're telling our friends where well, we are missionaries, they're like, a "What? <laughs> what is that? And what does it mean?" Mm-hmm. Uh, talking about the gospel is like a complete other language, versus in the U.S. When you mention the gospel or Christ or Christianity, it's still something that they understand. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Man, you you are you have a big blessing, and and we want to encourage you know the churches in the U.S. to continue going to uh, back to the gospel and
2: mm-hmm.
1: and following Jesus and going back to the cross every day and being transformed and renewed and help you know the other uh, the the other members of their congregation to continue growing together in community and in fellowship and grace, truth, etc.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess what I would say is um, what we're doing over here, any one of you guys could do. We are starting the mundane, we're walking day by day, we're doing life with people, we're raising our children in a secular environment. Uh, our children deal with bullying, with, um, transgenderism things. There's a lot of hot issues on the table right now in schools and elementary schools with our neighbors. And, um, I think that where it all begins is in the mundane. It's in the ordinary. It's in my time with the Lord. It's in what I believe about him or what I don't believe. And, um, um and it's about being filled with love and grace and dealing with hard issues with my neighbors and, and walking through conflict in a way that is unnatural for me and in a way that is showing the light of Christ to others and allowing the Lord to transform me in the midst of all of my weaknesses and um yeah, just my tendencies. <laughs> And I, I think also another important thing to understand about the European um, history, specifically here in Spain, is that it's been a the spiritual history um, has been one of abuse, and um, back in the 1970s, the Catholic Church was in um, direct.
1: in power, yeah. yeah, yeah, during the dictatorship of Francisco Franco, the Catholic Church was, I mean, in, almost in control of the entire country.
3: And so there were a lot of lies being spread around about the the evangelical Christians that we were a cult. We're here to brainwash your children. Don't let them near you or your kids. And even today. These are things that are keeping people from entering into an evangelical church. The majority of the population have never even stepped foot into an evangelical church and really don't understand what the difference is, except that they've heard that it's it's a bad deal and that it's scary and that you don't want to even get close to them. And so what we're doing here is um, befriending everyone Helping the churches to to be able to make strides in befriending the community and um, and really just being friends and good neighbors and um, and helping little by little to overcome um, the the lies that have been told about the Christian church and the misunderstanding um, of what uh, Christianity is all about. And um, the other day I had a woman ask me, this was the first time we sat down together. She asked me and I wasn't expecting this. This is one of those things that I was telling you about that they're skipping protocol now. And she said, well, we barely just ordered our coffees. And she said, well, Suzanne, you told me that you guys are evangelical missionaries. And so I'd like to know what's the difference between evangelical um, Christianity and Catholic, uh, Catholic Christianity. And that was right off the bat. I wasn't prepared, really. <laughs> um, and so um, it's basically being able to, to talk through those differences in a way that doesn't put anyone at odds with you or with Christ. It's um, loving others through our differences until the Holy Spirit um, brings them to a point where they um, hear the truth and understand it and, and believe. And, um, and we we want to be a safe place for people to talk about their doubts and their misunderstandings. And usually it can come off as pretty offensive at, mm-hmm. in the beginning. And, um, and that's okay. We want to be a, a safe place. For, okay.
0: Yeah. yeah. Okay. You guys are, uh, you're doing a good job. You know that? Oh, thank you. <laughs> uh, or, for my redeemer people here in Lincoln, Nebraska, uh, I, I met Suzanne and, and in Texas and we essentially Gia and I began a relationship over the walking dead, watching (laughs) zombies eat other humans and turn them into zombies. Um, but, but that their relational, uh, way, this, the slow, uh, beautiful route of relational if you, you can call it evangelism you can call it discipleship but it's ultimately just loving another person in front of you mm-hmm. um was what they were doing in the states and uh you guys i can tell you've been doing it through covid and um you're gonna be okay you will mm-hmm. um and I'm, I'm proud of the work that you do me and ambrose uh, pray for you guys a few times a week at bedtime. Um, and Ambrose often remembers your visit with Paloma uh, uh, being being at the house. And um, so, yeah, I, uh, the the plan for um, Redeemer is to continue to support you guys financially, but also uh, we would love to know more the the hard part of what it means to be a missionary during and coming out of COVID so that you don't feel so alone in prayer. Um, we, we believe that the spirit, uh, inhabits our prayers and comforts you through them. Um, and so I would love for our church collectively as a body to know how to specifically pray for you guys throughout the year, especially in 2021. Um, the and I'm saying some of this because I know that Redeemer is going to listen. Um, we support. We we started supporting the Tarazas uh, in November of 2020, and um, we we would love to to continue that because we have so much overlap with our our uh, connection with Jack Miller and Serge and the Gospel um, and just how we do ministry. Uh, it's it's constantly going back to the same. Uh, message that Jesus is enough, and that He is your perfection in God's sight. And at the end of the day, in our primal fears, that's what matters. You know that God um, loves us and cares for us and knows the uh, intricate details of our lives, and will, as I like to say, and will rise us from the dead when hmm. it's all said. Um, so, what uh, what are your what are your financial needs currently hmm. um like let's say an individual art redeemer wanted to start start supporting you guys um what give give them some categories on a how how much to think about and how to give
1: mm-hmm. you want to answer
2: um
3: okay remind me how much does our monthly need at this
1: time. Yeah, our monthly need is uh, 2300 a month. Right. And we are doing this um, uh, this effort of uh, fundraising from long distance, which probably you know, I mean, it can be so difficult when you are in another continent right. across right. the Atlantic. So, so we're doing this effort of contacting individuals or churches uh, from here and then having them over Zoom and sharing about our ministry and about our need. So yeah, it's 2,300 a month. And we're doing this effort because in June, a commitment of a church that they were helping us with 20% of our budget Mm -hmm. and this commitment will end this coming June. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. they were were helping us for uh, five years. Mm -hmm. And so we are so thankful for that. Mm But now we need to raise that amount, you know, Mm. uh, this budget. Um, And if someone is interested, um, they can go to the search website and they can uh, look for our names, Guillen Susan terrazas and they can do uh, a donation uh, monthly or yearly. It depends on how they would like to do that. And of course, I mean, we're all available uh, to meet with them. So you can put them in our... Give them more complex, etc.
3: So I guess basically what that looks like is um, the Lord will will provide for our financial needs when basically twenty three individuals uh, fill in to give a hundred dollars per month. Um, right. That's all we need. And um, yeah, raising support long distance is intimidating for us, but we feel so encouraged and so thankful that the Lord has made it a a really encouraging uh, journey.
1: Mm.
3: We've um, yeah, we're feeling very encouraged at this point and we know that the Lord will provide for us. He brought us here and um, he's going to provide. One of the things that we ask for people to do is uh, aside from praying for us and letting us know that they're praying for us, because that's so encouraging Mm. is to, um, do what you're doing, Matt, is to advocate for us and to, um, if they know someone, if the Holy Spirit brings to mind a friend or family member that is interested in investigating, um, uh, supporting a ministry, um, let us talk to them and, and see if it's a good fit. Sometimes it is, sometimes it isn't, uh, but we want, uh, very much what the Holy Spirit brings together and Mm -hmm. um, we're just happy when that happens.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And the other aspect uh, that uh, members of uh, Redeemer can pray for us is that we are recruiting uh, teammates and we are so excited for that. So we have been here in Malaga for five years um, with Search. We were two other years with the previous organization. But uh, now that we are approved to be team leaders, we are recruiting uh, people that they want to lay down their lives for the sake of the gospel here where we are. Mm -hmm. So we are recruiting um, three uh, units. One is for an apprenticeship program. Search has um, a nice curriculum and a very intentional apprenticeship program where uh, college-age students, they can come And to our field and and see what the Lord uh, wants for them. And if the Lord is calling them into missions.
3: And it would be a shortened period of time.
1: Yeah, it's for two years. And so, but we are recruiting a a staff that they can run this program uh, here in Malaga with us. Mm -hmm. And the other job um, opportunity that we have is uh, English ministry staff. Uh, We do English uh, projects uh, every summer, and we want to continue doing a follow-up with the families during the year, having like an English club or some some activities. Mm -hmm. So we need a staff as well, or a leader that can lead those kind of uh, ministries. And the other one, which is very recently, the Lord has been uh, continuing guiding us with the idea and our dream to plant a new church here in our town. So we want to, uh, we are recruiting a church planter. So someone Mm -hmm. that would like to come and join us and start a new church that can be salt and light in our community. A church that can allow uh, opportunities for seminary students, uh, giving them experience. And also a church that can be a resource to the other churches. And start movement of church planting here in in the city and in the other towns around us so if you can pray for that for for teammates Mm -hmm. and would and would
0: Uh, ideally that
1: go ahead go ahead ahead,
0: suzanne sorry
3: oh no no i was gonna go off to something else
0: um would that church planter is it necessary for them to speak spanish i mean the spanish in spain
3: not, not, not at the, not at this point, because it would be one to two years of acclimating to the culture, to mm-hmm. the learning, life the language. Here, learning the language. So learning, knowing Spanish is not a requirement uh, for coming to the field. It would be something that could be uh, worked on during their time here on the field. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: Okay. What were you going to say, Suzanne, before I interrupted?
3: Um, yeah. If you could pray for our babies. Um, you know, uh, a lot of our ministry revolves around their relationships with their friends and the people that we meet in the schools. And um, as you know, we're doing a lot of work here and we're getting paid for it. But in my heart, uh, I can't help but wonder if what we're doing pales in comparison to what the Lord would have the children do one day. They're being raised as Spaniards. And they're here in the midst of it. They're going to Spanish school. They're they're taking Catholic classes. Um, they are really in in the in the the, the best of it, yeah. And so um, and at the same time, they're they're we gather here around the table, morning, noon, and night, talking about the Lord. And uh, if you could pray for their faith to develop, continue developing. Pray for their friendships, pray for, um, just pray for them as, as they grow as people
2: Mm -hmm. who would appreciate it.
0: Yeah, I, I will. And one of the things that strikes me about Paloma in particular is, um, oftentimes the word wise in the New Testament, the Greek word is shrewd, which really means street smart, um, and I can tell already that Paloma uh, is sensitive to secular um, convictions Mm. in a good way. Um, I, in your videos and in me talking to her a few minutes ago, I, I sense that she's, um, she's just gifted. Like God's uh, seems like he's, poured himself into her in a way that like she brings her face to a conversation. She brings her heart, you know, in much the same way that both of you do. Uh, But there's something peculiar about her. Um, And I'm excited to see what God would do through that as well. Um, And I've learned from her how to kind of talk to Ambrose, you know, even in these short little videos, I'm just like, Oh, that's like, she's thinking, She's thinking better about how to engage her friends than maybe even sometimes I am. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, you know, it's discipling me. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, so I commend you for that. Um, But I will pray. Yeah.
3: Yeah, I mean, thanks for that. That's very encouraging. It has nothing to do with us. I mean, we just feel just as...
1: Hmm
3: amazed at these people that we get to do life with as
1: uh yeah yeah. it's amazing
3: we were recently um, having a meeting with her teacher and she was talking about uh how Paloma seems to be (laughs) in the school that we're at it's a it's um, a school with a very it's a public school but with a very specific vision on creating empathy and people and teamwork and things like that and we feel very honored to to be able to be a part of it. And the teacher said, "You know, when I look at these students, these are people that I want to be um, raising to take care of me in my old age. I want them to be my nurses, my doctors, the people that I consult with later, and I want them to be good people, people that I can depend on. And she said, well, with Paloma, she seems like she's a perfect citizen.
1: She's a mediator in, in her classroom.
3: Yeah, so it's just it's interesting how the Lord is developing them, and we're just thankful for that. And they are encountering some difficult moments, uh, just like Mm -hmm. all of your kids are. And um, yeah, Mm
2: -hmm. we
3: would just appreciate your prayers. We're under spiritual attack, and um, yeah, we it's so great to know when you guys are praying for us. We love getting your 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 encouragement, your emails saying, "Hey, I just prayed." with, with Ambrose again yeah. for you guys. It's so encouraging for us to know that um, that although it, we are here alone physically, we're not yeah. alone spiritually, that you guys are lifting up prayers on our behalf and, and we are for you all too. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Thank you. And I, I will add April to our prayer our naming. Uh, yeah. um, I got to go you guys. Uh, I'm going to work on a sermon here but um thank you so much for sharing and uh we love you and we're so thankful to be in it with you to the best that we can this far away um and we we look forward to when covid is not a thing so we can
1: try to participate in person together uh, so. that'll be amazing yeah yeah, yeah.
0: Be great.
1: Yeah, and we wanted to go back to the states, but yeah, with the COVID situation and also with my uh, paperwork situation, we cannot do that. But yes, we are praying for the time where we can see each other <laughs> in person.
3: Be in your church again. Here
1: <laughs> or there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We,
0: we loved having you. Um, let me let me uh, close this out by praying for you guys. <laughs> Father, we thank you for uh, Memo, Suzanne, Paloma and Raul um, and all the new friends that you've given them during this uh, hard year. And we ask that you would uh, bless these new relationships that Suzanne has made um, with coffee dates. Thank you so much for the barriers being broken down just because of the need to be uh, with people. That's such a wonderful thing that you've made us to be with one another and we hunger for it no matter who we are. Um, we ask that you would bless uh, little April through Paloma mm-hmm. and that you write her name in the Lamb's Book of Life um, and unite yourself to her forever. Um, we also ask that for um, the entire Terraza's family uh, and that you would be so near to them in this, uh, the year of the wilderness of COVID um, and help us to, to be faithful in the midst of it, help us to endure Uh, Help us to come out on the other side of it um, with people who have come to know you for the first time, um, that we may taste a little bit of the resurrection.